most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, as usual, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly. And with me, as always, is the host with the most, or I should say co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Olin, my brother. Great to see you, man. I am doing fantastic. It is a lovely November, which is my birthday month. So I'm soaking it in, brother. Good vibes out here in Arizona. And I'm officially an hour and ahead of you, too, so a little bit of time traveling over the weekend. (laughs) This man is in the future? Wild. Wild, I tell you. Um, Well, congrats on being a time traveler, I guess, and uh, even more congrats on it almost being your birthday. And even further congratulations on that new beautiful pair of Hayabusa gloves you got. I know you got them close. I know you got them close. There they are. Let's go. He got the T3s, baby. If you're uh, if you're only listening to the audio version of this, definitely, definitely check out the uh, classic leather style Hayabusa T3s. They are beautiful gloves. We are not sponsored by them. Um, I've repped Hayabusa for years. Got my fiance repping Hayabusa's recently, and now I got my co-host repping Hayabusa's proudly as well. So I uh, can't wait to hold mitts with you and uh, work some technique with those bad boys next time we're hanging out in person. You know the vibes. Best as, believe. As Miss Mary 616 said, they are beautiful. She's got thank great you. taste. Thank you for joining the chat and thank you for joining thank us. You, thank you. you. Uh, so, guys, we are here to talk about a handful of things. For the most part, we are here to talk about UFC Fight Night, Almeida versus Lewis. And after we go through that, we have to go through. We would be remiss if we didn't go through the fights that were recently announced by Mr. Dana White himself. So, we are going to jump right into the bottom of the card, guys. Um, we're not going to go through every single fight here as usual, but we are going to go through the ones that we spoke on. So we did speak briefly on Mark Casey starting off the card. Um, Nano, start us off. What'd you think of that, man? What were your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, brother. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Right when I go to talk here, I get a frog in my throat. My apologies. <laughs> him uh mark dia casey man yeah like you mentioned starting off the card here in ufc brazil uh and it was a fun back and forth fight man you know there are some moments where uh his opponent fernandez was was winning some of the exchanges but overall mark dia casey was able to edge out that decision uh, again when you look at the numbers they are very close but it did just feel like mark was leading the dance he was using some of that octagon experience which was something we talked about here leading into it can he use that uh in his favor and he was able to do so. 
curious to hear your breakdown, brother, on the on the fight itself as we uh, as it led off this uh, fun card. Well, if you want to hear my breakdown on the fight, you can actually go back and listen to last week's episode. <laughs> Because I hit the hammer uh, or hit the nail right on the head, folks. Uh, I, I called this one pretty much to a T. I, I said that Mark Casey in recent fights has shown a proficiency for wrestling, one that he had not shown in fights prior to this, even though he was coming off of a little bit of a bounce back, right? Um I knew that he'd come out here and get it done, even though Cal Fernandez had a much better record coming into this fight. He also hasn't fought people like Mark Bonecrusher Dia Casey. So again, I knew coming off two back-to-back losses to Michael Johnson and Joel Alvarez, uh, these aren't huge losses in, in my opinion. Like, yes, they're losses on your on your UFC career, on your MMA career for that matter, but they're losses to big names and even more so big talents in, in the promotion and in the sport as a whole. So great job on him bouncing back getting the win over cal fernandez i I knew he would um and i ultimately knew that it would probably come down to takedowns and that he would be able to just continue forward with that pressure he shot eight takedowns he only landed three of them but that's all it took and um with that he outlanded control time and again 10 less significant strikes landed by him but overall control was there takedowns were there and dominance across the distance was there Solid fight for Mark. Absolutely. Absolutely good performance. Great performance. We were impressed with your performance. Um, Again, moving into a little case of I told you so. Uh, Nano, I hope you have a shot a shot glass handy uh, because this is one where you were going for the younger dog in this one. Denise <sighs> Gomes coming in against Angela Overkill Hill. Um, I told you I couldn't bet against a gal that was fighting out of alliance slash victory. So here we are. um, And here you are. So love to see it. Um, If you want to hold off on doing your shot, that's fine. We can wait until it's time for me to do one and we can cheers together. I'm game for that. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. I'll I'll have it queued up, though, because uh, we are men of our words here. We keep the receipts. And you're absolutely right. I usually lean towards the young buck. And Denise Gomes did have some moments in the first round. But like we were talking here off air, uh, hey, when it goes to who can swim and, and who was able to come out of those deep waters on top, should have known it was going to be the old grizzle veteran, someone in Angela Hill, who's squared off against virtually everybody. Uh, virtually everyone. Uh, virtually but yeah, man, everyone. Great performance by Angela. I mean, put some respect on her. Um, again, find out San Diego there, something in the air. It's cool, easy breezy, another day in the office for her. Um, but yeah, took down a really young uh talented prospect here out of brazil we'll be hearing more about denise Gomes in the future again she's only 23 years old so uh sky's the limit for her but angela gave her a little humble pie and i'm gonna have my slice here as well uh at some point but curious to hear your breakdown brother and maybe what impressed you or what stood out to you uh with angela hill's uh awesome performance here yeah, so I mean, in, in this one, I'll be completely honest with you, man. It was no different than exactly what I mentioned in the last breakdown here. It was a tale of grit and tenacity, and more so, it was a tale of who had more in the tank when it came to grappling. Um, Angela Hill, a.k.a. Angela Nurmagomedov, as I, I'm going to start calling her possibly after this fight, she shot for nine takedowns, went with a 55% accuracy clip here, landing five out of nine takedowns, and again, less total strikes, 
more significant strikes for Angela Hill because these grounded strikes when you're on top, hammer fist, straights, elbows, etc., knees to the body, the list goes on. But Angela Hill, she was cooking on there, man, and uh, she looked really good. This this truly seemed like a new version of an old dog, and I'm here for it. Um, I also think that we need to get past this, uh, I don't know, this kind of ill mentality of fights only matter if there's a title on the line or title implications on the line. I firmly disagree. Because how often have we seen a fight night or a preliminary fight on a, on a big pay-per-view card of the year, for that matter, and those preliminary fights or that fight night delivers on a larger scale of excitement than any of these big title-implicated fights, right? So if title fights were the only fights that mattered or title setup fights were the only fights that mattered, you'd only watch two fights a car, but that's simply not the case. So I'm here to watch Angela Hill get showcase fights. I'm here to get Angela Hill getting some of these fights back against legends that she lost to possibly in the past. I don't think it has to be a title run. And I, I don't think that she thinks it has to be a title run. I think sometimes when you're at this point in your career and maybe you're not a top three fighter, but fuck, you can still contend with the top five to 15. Just have fun fights, get paid. I'm here for it. I think that's it right there. Like you said, get paid, find those good money fights. Maybe there's some, uh, ones that are personal to her. Maybe there's just some good kind of, like I said, legend fights or people that are right within that striking range. And she is ranked 12th currently. So anybody below her, some exciting names there. I mean, Michelle Watterson Gomez, um, potentially. But yeah, I mean, a lot of fun names even ahead of her too. I mean, there's a lot of great talent in this division and she put herself right smack dab in the conversation. So got to appreciate that. Completely agree, my friend. Uh, so moving forward into these fights, guys, uh, we're going to skip around a little bit as stated before. So let's see here. What was next that we did talk about? Um, we did talk about Hinaf Akhretanov and Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos. And I don't want to say I told you so again, but I was this was probably the fight I was most on the fence on. And uh, it was a fucking draw. So, <laughs> my goodness i know man what a fight what a back and forth a hell of a fight and not man he that's why you don't play with your food that's why you know you try not to empty that gas tank too early um and uh, the reality is we got to give some respect to alizu zaleski and because it's all lowercase i'm gonna say dos santos Santos, uh, <laughs> Santos, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Zaleski, Santos did a great job, um, and he was knocking on that door to victory. I mean, he easily could have got it. I thought it could have been stopped a couple of times. Renat shelled up. It wasn't necessarily defending that well. I mean that uh, that ref gave him every chance to not get the first loss in 20 fights to keep that streak going and it's a no contest or, or a draw i suppose not no contest i need to be clear here it was a draw so i guess it's not a loss but it's adds to that third column there which always just looks funny but um yeah maybe had a little too much respect for dos santos because um they're shaking hands he's again starting to fade there and, and boy he got it put on him there at the end if do, if Santos could have done that in the second, first round. I mean, he could have easily won the fight, but a little too much too late. And um, But, man, what a fun fight. I mean, easily fight of the night, I'd say. 
I would agree with you. I would say it's probably a fight of the night for me as well. I mean, hell of a back and forth. He not looked really, really good the first round. Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos looked really, really good in those latter rounds. And man, again, back and forth, 109 to 115 total strikes landed, 87 to 75 significant strikes landed, um, over 400 total strikes thrown between the two of them. I, I truly think Kanaf Fakratinov made the huge mistake of tiring himself out by shooting uh, almost like a video game character in the UFC game, right? He shot too many takedown attempts, and thus his stamina drained itself to a point of no recovery. And um, to put it into, you know, easier to understand terms, he himself uh pretty badly in my opinion so that's what happens uh as nano so eloquently said you play with your food and that's why it ended up being a uh, majority draw so we are going to with that jump right on into the main card guys uh and again we ended up having a couple more cancellations nano can you fucking believe this man we had ishmael bonfim miss weight against vince pichel Wow. And um, honestly, I'm not mad at Vince Pichel for pulling out. I don't think that there's a big enough um, penalty to these fighters when they miss weights. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, that's that's oops, excuse me. Uh, yeah, definitely not a great weekend for the Bonfim brothers here. Uh, just in general. I mean, yeah, like you said, having to pull out last minute, um, just not a good look, doesn't provide a lot of uh trust for the ufc so don't necessarily expect to get put right back on another on another fight night main event i mean you know especially after your brother loses too i think there's something to it um but yeah vince pichel did have some choice words for him um and and again ultimately it it boils down to you gotta be professional i mean every every pound counts there's no there's nothing to it that's why yeah you do sacrifice your purse typically um but again there's a competitive disadvantage there if you're going to let someone come in and it's what almost he was once 159.5. So we're not talking a pound or two or three or four. We're talking four and a half, almost five pounds. I mean, that's basically another division. There should be a 160 division, I feel like, but right decisions, the professional decision on uh, Vince's part. And yeah, you hate to see from Ishmael again. I don't know what's next for him. I don't know if he's mentioning there's an injury or if, something happened but either way it's just frankly not a good look you hate to see it completely agree definitely not a good look um ismail bonfim missing weight it's never a good look right and again i think that 20 percent of what i recently found out just your show money not your win money so they don't get 20 percent of your win money they just get the 20 percent of your show money um whenever you miss weight I mean, that's a huge advantage on your opponent. And 20% is, with all due respect, nothing. Especially when you're fighting for 10 and 10. Like, if we're fighting for 10 and 10, right? I get $2,000 and you get a significant advantage over me in our fight now. No, like, thank um, you, dude. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't Rather think that that's a great loss deal my for record. me. Yeah. Yeah. In the long term, it doesn't make sense for me. I'll, I'll sacrifice the 10K. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, uh, bad look for the Bonfim brother Ishmael. And again, we had another fight that ended up getting canceled right as the two men were supposed to walk out, which, um, kind of blew my mind and blew my DraftKings sport or my DraftKings actual app, uh, card that I had lined up. 
because I had Rodolfo Vieira on my card and Armin Petrosian claims he was poisoned in Brazil. Um, genuinely, his team is claiming that he was poisoned in Brazil. So he was unable to fight, pulled out of the fight minutes before the fight. Uh, literally, they were backstage warming up and yeah, he, he couldn't make it. So uh, Armin Petrosian, I, I hope you feel better soon and uh, maybe run that one back in America, uh, maybe at the apex where nobody can even be in there other than the teams and jumping um, into after what four fight four canceled fights and switch arounds here, jumping into the first fight of the main card. Um, we had a banger for as long as it lasted all four minutes and one second of it. Elvis Brenner, man. Elvis Presley was uh, the what the king of rock and roll, and Elvis Brenner might be the, the king of quick knockouts um, against people he probably shouldn't even be able to beat. Nano, how did this knockout make you feel? <laughs> made me feel excited, man. It was definitely that fun uh, jolt of adrenaline, that rush that you know you typically love to. It's uh, why you tune in, right? It's why you love the sport uh, because you know it's something that's unexpected, right? Uh, like you said, a few cancellations all over this card. I mean, it, it was unfortunate to see there uh, from the UFC's perspective. But again, taking this at a catch weight. So, you know, maybe that favors even both fighters a little bit, uh, whether it's just having a little bit more power, maybe having a little bit more, um, a little more in, in the tank, right? Less cutting means more time for training, more time to re, uh, just be nutritious and, and hey, go in there and, and have that little extra oomph behind your punches. And, you know, I give Kanan uh, Krzyzewski uh, all of the credit for taking it on short notice. Dude is a savage, but man, if you're not expecting a punch like that, and I mean, that early on the fight, that clean, I mean, brother, it was it was nice. Definitely earned himself 50K there. Shout out Elvis. Uh, you know, like I said, channeling a little Presley in there, the king of uh, flash knockouts here because, man, we starts throwing that leather, man, he gets you. Um, like I said, winning fights, maybe he's not projected to win or... Um, again, a, a new opponent that he had no time to train for or to, I guess, plan or prepare for. Um, but hey, he was ready, obviously, to whoever was going to step in that octagon. It was his time to shine. And again, only his third knockout in his career. Um, definitely not what you would expect. But I think he just wanted to remind everybody like, hey, he's got it. He's got it. if he needs it. <laughs> what did you think, brother? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm a stickler for the rules uh, and that last shot definitely clipped the back of the head. Got to call a spade a spade here. But I mean, we're here for skilled violence and that was skilled violence, folks. Um, he can't help it if his opponent turned into it and turned away from it. So here's the thing. He turned his head away, leaned away, and thus the back of the head got clipped. And as soon as that happened, boom, the lights went out in Georgia. The man face-planted onto the octagon. And, uh, I mean, it's all over, folks. That's all she wrote. It was a beautiful thing to see. You can't be mad at it. Um, Elvis Brenner. Good Lord. The kid is just constantly living up to the hype. After that performance, again, it only took four minutes and one second for the young man to get it done. And he's had a hell of a run in the UFC thus far. I believe he's uh, 3-0 and in the UFC. So, I mean, like, let's go. He beat Zubara Tukagov from AKA. He beat Guram Kudardaladze. And now he beat Kanan Krzyzewski. So, <clears throat> get this man uh, another big name. He's already beat Zubara. He's already beat Guram Kudardaladze. 
get him someone right outside of the top 15. I don't have a name on the tip of my tongue, but I want to see him not, not get a top 15 fighter, but someone very close to top 15. I like that. I like that. Yeah. 26 years old, two knockouts in a row here. Um, has a great submission game, talented fighter. Again, he's trained with Charles Oliveira. So why not, man? Let's see what the kids got. Put him in there again, ASAP. And we do have some UFCs, uh, that were again, just announced with some updates. So maybe you throw them on one of those upcoming cards, man. Wouldn't mind that. Absolutely, man. Um, moving into the next one, we got the young man, Johnny cage, Kyle Barrio. You know what I'm saying? The guy that looks like Johnny cage and is in his, uh, Tapology and sure dog pictures. Definitely look that up. Um, he came in there against Abus Ebus Magomedov. And again, this is one that I predicted pretty much to a T. I knew that Kyle Barrio was going to come out there and be the stronger man. Um, but man, he he pretty much shut Abus down. Abus didn't even try to get a takedown. He only landed 39 out of 110 attempted strikes. And I mean, none of those really look significant to me throughout the fight. Like he didn't really look like he was throwing lead. If anything, it looked like Kyle went out there as a young stud and exposed the up and coming Abus Magomedov. I don't really have many other thoughts on this fight other than continue to steamroll Kyle forward. Don't don't Icarus affect him. Nobody in the top five, nobody in the top 10 even. But I wouldn't mind him just bumping right at the outskirts of the top 15 or even number 15 at the middleweight division. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I love that breakdown, brother. Um, and yeah, it was the Kayo show. Uh, love that name. Love the charisma he has. Love the energy he brings. Love the athleticism he has. And love the skill and love the game plan, man. Fell in love with this kid, really. I mean, hard not to. Again, he's got the great smile. He's got the the great physique. Not to get, you know, too excited over here. I need to calm myself down now. Uh, but no, all jokes aside, the dude looked really good. I mean, he was able to neutralize a bus and, uh, and stop that a bus in place. Um, again, using his footwork, using his athleticism, he was just connecting with that right lead hand, um, the right hook over the top of uh, Abbas's guard that, like you tell me in my training, if you leave that hand a little bit low, man, that's gonna, that punch is going to come over the top now. Don't get lazy. And you started to see that. And um, great game plan, like I mentioned, um, going in, getting the takedown early. Uh, winning that exchange, showing some strength, obviously just scoring on the cards there, kind of neutralizing, like you said, a bus. Um, because after a while, it just felt like he started to be really gun shy or just when he was throwing, it was kind of reactionary. It, it was not with intent. It wasn't really to counter. Um, it just was a, a little too slow, like trying to just be active when really Kyle was leading the dance the whole time, it felt like. Uh, and then in that third round, he hit him with a clean elbow right through the guard, uh, right down the center pipe there, hurt uh, Abbas, and then um, hit him with a couple more shots to really just put the icing on the cake. And again, solidify Kayo himself as a legitimate dog. I mean, this is somebody that deserves to be here. Abbas is someone with a lot of experience and uh, came in with, with a lot of hype into the UFC, uh, but unfortunately has um, not had the best luck. Again, he's fighting some savages so let's give the man some credit um but kyle seems to be a legitimate dude like you said i don't know about that icarus effect or like i don't know about throwing him up in the top 15 just yet there's a lot of a lot of uh alpha males in there a lot of alpha lions in that pack so i'd like to see i mean but there's plenty of names i mean this division's really exciting right now i mean that that was a, a big uh notch in kyle's belt 
And again, sky's the limit, man. I mean, 1501. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of exciting names, I think, that um, you could throw them in there. But I hope to see them again soon, ASAP. You and me both. I think he's... Uh think he's a dog uh and i i definitely think that you know call me crazy it wouldn't be insane to see him fight an anthony hernandez or a chris curtis um or even yeah. paul craig if paul craig goes out there and loses to brendan allen i think That's if brendan point. allen and paul craig get it on and paul craig loses it, it's not a crazy fight you give paul craig to the young man kyle barrio i think it's a very fun fight and um if brendan allen loses to paul craig that's a fun fight too brendan allen versus kyle barrio yeah, but I think that's a fight that maybe already happened. Um, am I am I crazy? Uh, Kyle. Yeah, no, I don't think he's happened. fought any of them. No, he hasn't fought. No, you're any right. Them he, hasn't, he hasn't fought that high up. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm crazy, delusional old man here. Um, you, you might be foreshadowing though. Maybe you're looking in the future a little bit. Maybe that's. Uh, maybe we're gonna. Maybe we're bound to see it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe so. Maybe so. Um. Speaking of maybe so, Dontel Mace, he let you down again. Um, I'll, I'll have to get another shot here. Yeah, you know, let's Damn. just let's just go ahead and do that first one. Let's just hold on. Go ahead and take care of that. I just I just can't let you do one by yourself because you know it's not a not a very brotherly thing to do here. That I do appreciate. That I do appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Cobra Kai, we always stick together. Let's go. <laughs> Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in. back to regular programming back to your regularly scheduled broadcast uh so <clears throat> rodrigo nascimento fajeda came in against dante Mays. you know I, <laughs> as much as i want to just sit here and laugh and, and be like you know what dante Mays let you down i told you he was gonna let you down <laughs> um I'm not going to do that because Thank Dante Mays actually impressed me. Uh, he came out there and he threw almost 200 strikes, uh, which he's a big man. That's a big fucking guy. Um, this is a high octane uh, offensive bout between two heavyweights. That I, I, I don't think, think we need the trilogy. Let's go. Absolutely, I love that. Man, they. I mean, a lot of offense. I mean, those brothers were swinging. The pace in that first round was absolutely crazy. Rodrigo Nascimento. Really came out and wanted to earn that respect right away, which yeah put me in uh, uh, on my back seat, put me nervously uh, watching that fight. Something and oh boy, now I'm gonna have to do a shot now. Here it comes, mouse watering already. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, but Dante Mays, I mean, I give him props, man. He bit down on that uh, mouth guard and he kept himself in it. I mean, within a fighter's chance. I mean, obviously nobody uh, thought he won the fight in terms of the judges there, decision wise, but. He, you know, I mean, statistically speaking, was was hanging around. Um, but again, I think Rodrigo, the way he came out and kind of demanded the fight, and it just felt like he never really lost momentum ever after that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, that's the thing. It, it's really tough when you're throwing your biggest, strongest shots, and the guy's looking right across, and he's eating them. And not showing any signs of wavering. It's a very, very defeating, demoralizing, and almost demeaning sense that just sinks into you when you see that happening. Um, I not so fondly have memories of that 
back in the day when I would spar regularly. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, what do I have to do to make this guy slow down? Like, I've hit him with leg kicks. I've hit him with body shots. I've tapped his face up. And he's just smiling and making me not feel good everywhere. So um, that's you got to think that that's probably what Dante Mays felt like in that fight, um, especially going into those latter rounds. And again, like between these two guys, there were almost 400 strikes thrown. We're talking about over 500 pounds of human in there. Okay. That's a lot of man. Those guys are big and they were throwing bombs in there, guys. Uh, So very fun fight. I wouldn't be mad at a trilogy. Maybe every three years we just run this one back for funsies. Why the hell not? Um, But with that being said, guys. Gosh, we are steamrolling right through this card. Speaking of steamrolling, we got Matt the Steamroller for Vola fighting this Saturday. Can't fucking wait for that one. Gonna be a banger. Man, I can't wait for Wednesday's episode. It is banger after banger after banger after banger after banger after banger after banger, folks. And I'm here for it. Uh, So, man. Can't wait. Make sure y'all tune in. Definitely make sure y'all tune in for that one. Um, Goodness gracious. But hey, man, you did some foreshadowing here too, man. A perfect segue into <laughs> this next fight in regards to, um, well, you know, just not being prepared for the deep waters, right? Uh, not, you know, giving it everything you got, giving it everything you got, everything you got. Everything and you got. The, the person across got. from me just walking straight through and saying, is that all you got? Is that all you got? <laughs> so Bro, great segue Nicholas to this Dalby co-main event. because my powered. That ain't his dynamite, brother. It, I didn't didn't realize it was gonna detonate like that. I mean, my goodness, but those Brazilians were and myself were shocked. Uh, Gabriel uh, definitely got outclassed. Frankly, uh, had some moments early, took him down. Uh, was kind of how, what seemed to be on a path to victory, but uh, Nicholas Dalby had something to say there, and he said, "Not on my watch," and uh, turned it into a. A striker's delight, man. Went straight Muay Thai mode. You, I'm curious to hear your breakdown there, brother. You've been training, man. But everything he was doing was, I mean, would you say textbook? It Chef's was clinical. Kiss. It was textbook. Everything about it was just perfect, man. Um, you know I love to see people do just clinical and technical work. And, I mean, that's exactly what you would call what Dalby was doing in there. Um, quickly grabbing the clasp on the Muay Thai clinch pulling him into knees and as soon as he'd get lazy switching clasp pushing outside pulling with both hands down into the outside knee so that way it wouldn't go to the body instead go to the head i mean that's what set up the beginning of the end form right and and these are classic classic muay thai moves um and you know like of all of the striking disciplines of all of the martial arts that people mix on a daily basis here when we're talking about the mixing of the martial arts I like the Muay Thai. I like the Muay Thai. So um, I was having a blast watching that fight. And I also knew I literally like I I don't I should have clipped it so we could play it back. Uh, Maybe I'll do that for the Wednesday episode. But man, I feel like I scripted it. Like I basically said, Gabriel Bonfim has fought a couple of people. He's gotten extremely, I wouldn't say lucky, but blessed with his knockouts. And I think that after somebody eats a couple of his biggest shots, moves forward and says, okay, but what else you got? He's going to slow the fuck down and be like, Oh boy, what do I do? I'm in danger. And, um, I felt like that's the best way to describe exactly what took place. So 
he felt a sense of danger sink in. He felt a sense of fear sink in. And man, the doubt started to show. I think there was about two minutes and four seconds left in round number two when he uh, got pinned against the cage, ate a knee to the body, and he literally looks up at the clock like, and just takes out this most defeated breath. Like, fuck, man. There's still two minutes left this round. And you know he's thinking, like, and I got another five after this? Jesus! This guy's not slowing down! And then Dalby comes out in the, in the third round, just bouncing, like, ready to go, Still dude. bouncing, dude. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, man. And and still having power behind those punches. Like you said, I mean, the, the combinations are starting to, to take, uh, div, pay dividends. And and still, I'm sorry, the, round two is round two. I'm talking about when he came yeah. out. Thank you for yeah. clarifying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the elbows in the clinch, the Muay Thai. I mean, everything he was doing, man. The knees, which obviously, like you said, led to the the ultimate end for uh, Gabriel. Which again, good learning lesson. I mean, hey, you're 15 to 0 uh, going into this. You're, you're young. You feel invincible, but again, you're not always going to be able to get rid of these guys. And you know, maybe the gas tank is something that you can go back and look at here. Um, maybe you look at some things just in terms of the game plan. Uh, I mean, the reality is, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I have to put this, I have to put this comment up Let's in the see chat. It. Let's here. see it. We got Andrew, AKA turtle three Oh one in the chat, the Bonfim brothers, AKA the brothers quit. My oh, goodness. No. These two, LOL. If you can't be prepared to fight for more than five minutes, you shouldn't be fighting the best in the world. Much props to Dalby. Andrew. Um, I'm sure you saw this in the group chat earlier, but Come on, guys. You can't bet against this guy, Danish Dynamite, when he comes to him fighting Brazilians. Before this fight, he was 4-0 against Brazilians and 2-0 against Brazilians in Brazil. He is now 3-0 against Brazilians in Brazil and 5-0 against Brazilians in the UFC. So put some respect on Nicholas Dalby's name. Um, if the champion is Brazilian and the fight is in Brazil, fucking give him a title shot, bro. Cinderella story. Dalby is a champion at age 39. I can see it. <laughs> Jeez. Well, hey, man, you definitely got to give them some credit. You got to you gotta reward them, right? He flew all the way to Brazil. He um, it fought in the co-main event here against, you know, the the prodigy. This is this is your hero. Are you not entertained, right? This is your ruler. Went in there straight Maximus style and defeated him off with his head. So you got to reward him. Yeah, maybe you throw him uh, a top 15 guy. Maybe someone in their top 10 to 15 range. Again, like I said, he's 38, 39. But brother, he's that Danish dynamite, man. I don't care how old it is. That thing don't, there's no expiration on that. It's still kabooms when you light it up. So sign me up for some more Nicholas Dalby, brother. Here are my respect. And again, I mean, I had to do the shot. I mean, I guess the one earlier was for Dontale. So let me go ahead and pour up another one for, for the Bonfim brothers here. For them both, because... Well, you know, I, I, you got to be your brother's keeper there. And if one brother goes down, hey, they both went down. Even though that one that didn't fight still took the L. <laughs> both what brothers, a, what a very fitting thing to say. If one brother goes down, they both go down. So as uh, as usual, for those of you that are just listening and not watching, I've poured up a shot with my brother here. So here we go. Cheers, brother. Cheers bro. To better decisions, huh? Follow my lead more. <sighs> Do what I can. Maybe I like the torture. I feel like you do a little bit. Fuck. <laughs> I know you're right about it. I know you're right about it. I know that. <laughs> I know that. Uh, so, <clears throat> my goodness. Speaking of liking the torture, again, 
we do like to kind of size up sometimes what we think should be next for these folks. Guys, Nicholas Dalby has more than done enough. Uh, he's on a three-fight win streak, I believe, at this point. And again, he's fighting in the welterweight division, which is more like the welterweight division. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> W-A-I-T. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, no, but seriously, it really is. Um, there's, there's just not a ton of movement, a lot of stagnation in that division. So take a pick out of literally anybody in the top 15 and I'm not, or sorry, in the top 10 to 15. And I'm not mad at him getting a fight against an Ian Machado, Gary against a Jack Della Madalena against a Kevin Holland against a Neil Magny, a Michael Chiesa. Yeah, I love that he just fought too. I mean, hey, that's I love both of those at the end I just mentioned there. Hena just because he just fought, obviously. Stylistically, that, that's a crazy one. Both dudes are animals. Uh Michael Chiesa, I mean, I think just because they're both a little bit on the older side, that that does kind of make sense for that. It's kind of a legend spot. Yeah, same with Neil Magny. You want to talk about some fun striking, that'd be a, a fun one to to watch as well. Uh Kevin Holland, I think you gotta move him up. The thing that's interesting, I'm looking at the uh, rankings here, and we have Sean Brady ranked eighth here, welterweight, but he's going to be fighting Kevin Kelvin Gastelum next. So uh, there's a lot of, yeah, Walter waiting around here in this division. I think it's just a, a great way to describe it here. Anybody there, though, Nicholas Dalby's a great name to throw a feather in the cap here. And um curious to see who actually answers that phone call. Dude. Put him on a, put him on a, like, seriously, make a card in Denmark and make him like the co-main event. Oh, that'd be sick. Uh, like he'd put asses in seats. They don't have a lot of other fighters out of there, like as hometown heroes. Right. So like, yeah, I don't know. I'm all about it, man. I feel like yeah. it's, a, it's a good look. Yeah, man. He, I mean, he, I agree. We'd love to see him get back in there as soon as possible. Yeah, so give us that all freaking day. And uh, something that we don't want ever again in our lives. Um, you know exactly what I'm talking about, guys. I'm talking about the main event of the evening. More like... Seriously, though, guys, it was a, it was an absolute dud, right? Like, Because it, it started off like um, we thought it was going to be exciting. We really did. And, and it was just sad. Um, granted, Jelton did outland Derek Lewis 120 to 28 on total strikes landed. It's an absolute molly whopping. Um, I, I listened to quite a few other MMA podcasts, excuse me. And something that one of them did is they, they put a grade on both men's performance. And I'd like to do the same thing here, guys. Um, if you're if you're in the chat, if you're active, uh, if you're driving, obviously just keep listening. Don't please don't type. Don't do that. Um, but you know if you're able and you're in your your hands are free, type a grade first for Derek Lewis. We're gonna go over Derek Lewis first, and then we're gonna switch over to Jailton Almeida in this segment. Okay, so um, Nano, give me a grade for Derek Lewis's performance specifically for Saturday night. And why he gets that grade. And of course, we're talking about classic school grading. So like anywhere from an F minus to an A plus. <laughs> That's hilarious you say F minus because I was a debating saying that. But because it's not an actual grade and because he didn't get finished, I guess I'll have to say like a D minus, you know, N not a complete flunking. But um, 
Derek gets a D minus. He, he, he barely showed up. Um, fortunately just did not have much defense to anything that, um, Jarleton was doing there. Again, I think, I don't know if it was because of a lack of offense from Jarleton's side, which the strikes may say otherwise, but again, just to put it in perspective, Rodrigo Nascimento and Dante Mays both threw more uh, punches in the first round than uh, Derek Lewis threw in the entire 25-minute fight. So, yeah, that's some quick math I just did like on the spot here, looking at the numbers. And I was also watching it right before, and they both threw like over 30 punches, and Derek didn't even land that many. So, again, Whoa, that was cool. Pretty sweet. Dialed in, baby. <laughs> but yeah, brother, again, I mean, Derek, D minus because he just didn't have any answer. He was hesitant to show the hands. The only reason he didn't get an F is because he was able to neutralize Jarleton enough when he was on the ground by the wrist control and just basically not getting uh, plummeled or not getting submitted um, when he was, again, getting controlled, which what felt like most of the fight. Uh, but again, 21 minutes out of 25 Jalton was in control of Derek Lewis and again, not, not enough done offensively, but I do think it was, and I wish we had, um, our guy here in the chat to tell us more about the ground game or anybody, if you, you know, are familiar, you can probably speak to it more, but just felt like the risk control from Derek Lewis neutralized Jalton's offense on the ground, which really made it into more of a snooze fest obviously like you mentioned we don't need to see this anymore it's behind us we moved past it um we got one heavyweight fight that did have some good offense in it but again d minus because uh it just outside of not getting finished it just had nothing else going for our boy Derek Hotballs lewis what, what do you think brother <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I'm going to jump in the chat real quick here. Um, Eric said, I was going to say D's ground defense was decent. He just needs to stop everything and do some BJJ, LOL. But Eric, the real question is, F minus to A plus, what would you give him? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, I give him an F minus. Um, sorry, I just, I, I got to call a spade a spade here. I don't think that there was anything to really love about that performance at all. Um, if anything, it seemed like he was waiting and biting his time too much and just waiting for Jailton to make a mistake, which I'm not going to say anything about. Oh, God damn, I want to say stuff about Jailton so bad, but we're going to go into just breaking him down in a moment. So, um, fucking Eric, dude. <laughs> Eric said they, they both don't even get a report card. Oh man, they got to repeat the grade. <laughs> they're they're just getting their parents are getting a phone call after this. Uh, they're gonna have to come in and talk. They're, they're getting sent to, to charter school. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow. With that being said, uh, I, I just I, I, there's a lot to be a lot left to be desired with this performance. Again, he only attempted 54 strikes. That's a third of the strikes attempted by Jailton Almeida. And um, I think what we're learning about Jailton is. Um, Fuck, I'll say it in the gelatin breakdown. Derek Lewis, again, fuck, there's just not a whole lot to dissect. He didn't really do much, did he? Like, he laid there. When he's standing, he's, he's a live dog. Uh, he, those big overhand strikes, like touching his knees together, throwing everything over the top, ready to knock you the hell out. But it, it was it was too few and far between, and he didn't work 
enough to get back to his feet for me. So it's an F minus. Um, and, and that's about it. I'm going to go ahead and tag you into the next round going over grading for Jailton Almeida. Nano. I love it, brother. I love it. I'm going to get my substitute teacher hat on here and, uh, I'm going to give Jalton Almeida a passing grade in college of a C minus. Okay. Not too much better, but we're going to be pass passing in most books because you got the win at the end of the day, took care of business. He got, he went 25 minutes. He proved he can go the distance. He was able to control another grown man for 21 minutes on the ground. Although Derek Lewis has essentially no ground game, but this man is one of the most dangerous heavyweights to ever walk planet earth. So you do got to give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, the reality was though, like Jalton and, and it shows in the rankings, like it did not move much at all. He's still ranked ninth. I was expecting again, like we said, going into this, if he can have a dominant victory or if he can make a statement against a Derek Hoppa Lewis, not just get a win that he can put himself right in that conversation. But frankly, he didn't pass the test. Right. Um, well, Maybe he did on a bell curve, but again, according to Dana White, who's the principal at the school, he didn't make the honor roll. So uh, shame on him, you know, for that. But again, I think uh, exposed some holes in Charlton's game really needs to develop, uh, at least when it comes to the art of the grounded pound. I mean, I understand Derek's a strong guy. Maybe he's controlling the wrist. And I know you're trying to look up at the ref and flag like, hey, he's he's, you know, he's defending my moves. What do you do? Like, well, you got to figure out something else. I mean, <laughs> something else has to give here. Um, use some of that strength that you have, use some different technique. Yeah. Maybe give Derek a different look or give him something else to think about when you're on the ground. Again, we're, I'm not an expert there. Maybe more people can talk to, you know, fundamentally what he could be doing, whether it's, you know, the body triangle or getting in full mount or switching positions or whatever it is. But again, he just wasn't offensive enough for, for us as, as a casual viewer fan. I mean, again, if you're on top of this guy for 21 minutes and you only land 121 strikes, I mean, to me, that's just that's just not enough. I mean, that's not enough volume. I mean, you need to be hitting that thing like it's one of those you know dummy bags, and he's just we need to see more from you, or you need to be trying to seek uh, a finish, right? A submission, threaten the armbar, threaten the choke. They just really we really weren't seeing a lot of that. Even I mean, there were four submissions attempted maybe one around again you're on top of this guy for five minutes each round four minutes each four to the five minutes each round i mean you'd love to see more of it um so again c minus he passed the test but uh according to president or principal dana white he's not making the honor roll with that one what do you think brother well <clears throat> i think uh derek lewis is somebody that is Two and five in his last seven. So there's obviously been a blueprint that's been discovered in defeating him. Meanwhile, Jailton Almeida uh, is 15 and 0 in his last 15. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty damn impressive, right? Taking all of that shit aside, and you look at what we've actually witnessed here, what I witnessed, maybe it's something different than what the casual viewer witnessed here. Maybe it's something different than what most people on average witnessed on this past Saturday evening. But let me tell you a little something about what I witnessed on this Saturday. Okay, Nano? What I witnessed was Jalton Almeida come out there 
and land more than four to one against his opponent take zero damage against one of the most dangerous heavyweights in the history of the fucking sport i watched a young man make a name for himself and be ready to take a fight in the next two to three months and damage free that's what i saw folks that's what I saw. So I'm going to go ahead and give him an A minus. Um, if he would have gotten the finish, I would have given him an A plus and an air horn. Uh, but you know what? Instead, he just got an A minus and an epic victory speech. And I think that's enough. That was a great promo. We have to clip that. That was great. <laughs> the question you know what is, what's, what's next for him, though, man? I mean, who do we throw him into now? Do we throw him in the wolves against some of those top guys or Curtis Blades who he was supposed to fight, right? Do we run that one back? Or do we just go up one spot, give him a Tai Tuivasa, nothing that's too crazy? I mean, what are you thinking, brother? Ooh, Tai Tuivasa, I'm not mad at. I'm really not mad at. That'd be um, a fun one. That'd be a fun one. Personally, I think if we're talking about what's next for Jailton Almeida, there's a number of different ways that we can go with this, right? Um, but the the most easy options are going to be Curtis Blades, because that's who he was originally supposed to fight, and I think that's what makes the most sense. Um, Curtis Blades is also sitting at number five, so that fight is a very, very fun one. Um, other than that, I wouldn't be mad at Sergey Spivak um, or Alexander Volkov. I think any of those three names make a lot of sense. Obviously, Tai Tuivasa would be a very fun fight for the fans, but I think Tai Tuivasa deserves a bit more of a tune-up fight. He's been a, through the fucking ringer recently. Um, okay, here we go. JJ Smoke. Thank you, my friend. He's in the chat here. Welcome back to the chat. Sorry, brother. JJ Smoke. Uh, he said he wants him to run back the Blades fight. I could not agree more. <laughs> Eric in the chat, how much did he pay me for that? He actually didn't pay me um, himself. But let me let me tell you a little story. Let me tell you a little, a little story about something here, guys. Here we go. The story is about how I made money this weekend on a parlay. Okay, a parlay of Jailton Almeida. And trusting this cool cat, not the one on the right, not Buggy Moose. I'm talking about the one on the left, Nicholas Dalby, the Brazilian killer. You know what I'm saying? I knew he was going to go out there in Brazil and get it done, and he did. Turn two units into 12.6. Let's go. So you know what that means? That means we're playing with house money uh, going into the bang, bang, bang this week. Super stoked on that. Hoping we can get a little, you know what I'm saying, a little... Knockout action going uh, and and win some more big money here. Absolutely. That's the vibes, brother. Congrats. Much deserved. And uh, those were some cool cats on that last graphic you made there, brother. So I'm digging it. You know what I'm saying? It was a fun one. It was a fun one, man. Um, so uh, <laughs> I already have a pretty fun parlay set up for the next one, man. I'm not going to lie. Um, not going to talk through it. But for those that are watching live on the on the YouTube and Twitch, you can see it here live on the screen. <laughs> the uh, the good old Sarah Longo parlay. <laughs> Let's go. Great graphics. Look at Longo. What a dog. What a dog. You love to see it, man. You love to see it. Uh, so we'll we'll go through the specifics of that one on the Wednesday episode, you guys, as well as all the other parlays we got cooking up and uh, the new DraftKings setup that we're going to have. So, um, that being said, 
that is that is it for this fight card guys uh we we blew through that one like a fucking breeze i i wish i had a wind sound effect queued up for that uh but i don't so i digress instead we're just gonna go ahead and do- there it is oh my gosh nano <laughs> lifesaver lifesaver um so with that being said we're gonna jump right into these uh brand new fights just got announced uh AKA as Nano called them earlier, the big three Nano. Um, since you called them the big three, I'm going to go ahead and let you start this off and without queuing it up at all, which of these three announcements has, um, tickled your fancy the most gotten you most excited, man. I, I'm excited. I am excited equally for all three. What's interesting here is two of them. I think we pretty much knew were. We're etched in stone, um, or we're hearing some rumors about. I think we all knew Volk was going to fight Ilya. I think that that one was two stars waiting to collide there. Uh, and that video that Ilya dropped was pretty freaking sick. I don't know if you got to see that little teaser video that he had cutting the rose. Pretty freaking sweet in his little cave or house igloo style, whatever. I'm like, dude, this, <laughs> I'm like this looks, this is going to be good, man. So he's excited, man. He's looking for. <laughs> I got a good kick out of you. <laughs> you like the gay man one. <laughs> if you see it, you'll know. Okay. If you watch it, looks like a Fred Flintstone house. Okay. <laughs> it's made out of clay or something. <laughs> I'll be around that, folks. Uh, tip your waiters. But yeah, brother. I, so I will say the one that tickled my fancy the most because it sho- kind of shocked me, or I think I'm most excited for it, is that Sean Strickland versus Dorikis Duplessis. UFC 297 is the first out of the three, the big three that I mentioned. Um, again, 297 going to be headlined here with Sean Strickland defending his belt, getting some of those pay-per-view points here as a champion against Strickus Duplessis. It's a two bad white boys, man. I'm just excited to see him go in there. Who's going to have the deeper gas tank? Or can Drickus actually hurt Sean Strickland? I mean, this is going to be a, a lot of narratives here, but I, I think this is a fun fight. Um, but again, Ilya... Well, I'll, I'll say that. Let me hear yours. What, what tickles your fancy the most? Okay, so of the three fights that were announced, obviously, as you mentioned, we had Sean O'Malley versus Chito Vera 2. Um, if you're asking the Sugar Sean Commission, it's Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Chito Vera 1. Um, the first one has been nullified from existence. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Taporia. And Sean Strickland, not Sugar Sean Strickland, just Sean Strickland, uh, versus DDP, a.k.a. Drikas Duplessis. Um, which one am I most excited about? I'm going to be honest with you. It's got to be Sugar Sean versus Cheeto Vera 2 for me. Um even though it is one of the more likely suspects that got announced, as you said, something that was predicted. Holy fuck. JJ smoke, dude, you're reading my mind. Are you kidding me? That literally popped up like one second after it came out of my mouth on my screen. I really like Vera versus O'Malley too, as my favorite out of the three. Same dude. Same. Um, Same. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have anything no, else I'm, to I'm definitely most excited for that. That's going to be the biggest one by far. Biggest it, pay-per-view, gonna, most narratives. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's just going to be extremely fun, right? I think, um, how do you see this one going? Do you think Do you think Cheeto Vera gets the win again, or do you think Sugar Sean pulls it off? Again, man, I, I like, um, oh, man, I'm blanking on his name, but the boxing uh, coach, 
long time guy. He's on ESPN and he breaks down oh. all the fights. Um, Teddy Atlas. Teddy Atlas. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, Teddy, said, Teddy Atlas. Teddy Atlas here. Huh? He's a good. He's a good guy. He's he's. Uh, but yeah, no, he always mentions man. When you become champion, you get twenty percent better. Something about it, whether it's just the the actual belt itself, or just knowing that you know you, you you're at this level and and you're putting more things together. I'm personally a big fan of uh, Sugar Sean. I mean, as much as I love Marlon Chito Vera, and I know JJ Smoke here is lying his fire and torch behind my Ecuadorian brother Chito, but I just think Sugar's too good, man. I think he's too slick. He has too much confidence, and the way he put out Aljo, I think he can potentially put out Chito a very similar way. Chito looks good, but even in that last fight, he, he, he isn't getting better to me. Chito hasn't made improvements in his game. Where Sugar, I mean, that Peter Yan fight, dug deep, showed me he's a fucking dog. Beating Aljo the way he did. I mean, everything since that their first fight just feels like Sugar's just been getting better and better. And, and Marlon Chito Vera's just been relying on what he does. But he's won some and he's awesome. He hasn't won every fight. So... I'm leaning on my boy Sugar here, man. I'm still it's Sugar Show era, man, and I, and I will, I will uh, die behind my boy. <clears throat> what do you well, think, brother? Well, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in here. Um, JJ Smoke really uh, stealing my thunder here in the chat. He said he's going with Vera by TKO. I'm going with Vera by TKO as well. I don't want you to think that I'm stealing uh, copying this guy here. And of course, Eric in the chat said he's riding with Turkey on this one, to which I responded, I'm riding to his place to armbar him on this one. Uh, so I'm going with Marlon Chito Vera, you guys. Why, you might ask? Well, because he's the better fighter um, and because he's got his number. So I don't disagree with you, Nano, and I damn sure am not one one to disagree with Teddy Atlas. I mean, the guy's last name is about a fucking Greek mythology character, right? Like, we're talking about Atlas here. Uh, so, guys, the man is an absolute boxing legend. And if he says it, it's probably the gospel truth. I believe it. But I also think there's something else. Another caveat, another layer to this onion that we're talking about, Jive Turkey. And that is the fact that Marlon Chito Vera already has a win over this young man. And when you have a win over someone, that makes you have a 20 to 30% edge on that person going into the fight. So I would say that those two things cancel each other out. And I mean, you're saying that Chito Vera hasn't gotten any better in his last few fights. I got to disagree with you. You beat Pedro Munoz, who's an absolute legend. Rob Font, who's a stud. Um, Davey Grant, who in my opinion is top five material, but has had a, just the roughest fucking run of things. And Dominic Cruz, he made it look so, so perfect over Dominic Cruz. And I saw that in person and it was just, God, it was stunning. The Corey Sandhagen fight, sure, he lost that fight. That's fine. And if we're being completely honest, it was a split decision. I scored it for Cheeto, but let's call it spade a spade here, guys. I think Corey Sandhagen probably could beat Sugar Sean O'Malley. I think he's a terrible matchup for Sean O'Malley. So that's just like one of the losses I was talking about in this previous weekend's fight card where I'm saying it's not really that heavily weighted. It shouldn't matter that much because sure, he lost that fight, but he lost it against a stud. He lost it against a legend. So I'm going to say here, I'm going to say right now that Cheeto Vera wins this fight. Not only by knockout, but he wins it by knockout in the very first round. 
I will be betting a whole bottle here next to me that this is me, my boy Sugar. So can't wait to break that one down with you, bro. Now. <laughs> um, I disagree wholeheartedly, brother. When I say that with love. <laughs> look, bro. Uh, I, I'm ready. I'll bet a whole bottle on it. Hey, okay. did you, did, I don't think anybody thought Sugar was going to beat Aljo, but here we are. So I'll just leave it there. I said he had a chance to knock him out. He always has that. He always has that punch of chance. He always but. has that pancer's chance. That pancer's chance. But uh, here's the thing. <laughs> okay, uh, he's um. How many? I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but how many times has Chito Vera been um, finished? Ah, uh, he probably hasn't, huh? Maybe yeah, once. he's actually never been finished. No, never. He's literally never been submitted or knocked out. So good fucking luck, kid. Um, the, here's the, like, but here's he the fades. thing, bro. He fades, like, though. That's the thing. He does fade. He doesn't, he doesn't fade. He gets stronger throughout the fight. Except like, unless you're Corey Sanhagen. That's the only thing. And that was literally, a split decision. Literally, Corey yeah. Sanhagen is like TJ Dillashaw. They're not fucking human. Mm-hmm. And Dominic Cruz lose. was one of those guys, too. But he was somehow able to download his movements. Yeah. I got to go back. I mean, yeah. And we're talking O'Malley. I love sugar Sean O'Malley. I'm actually a big fan of his, but he is predictable in his movements. Mm -hmm. Well, he does a lot of the same things. He is hard to read. I mean, if you can one six hook or the fucking like hook cross, Mm -hmm. like fake the one, throw the hook cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of like one pull twos. Yeah. He definitely has a couple of the same tunes he likes to uh, to, to they, dance they to. Work. Exactly that. I'm not here to take yeah. those from him. He's a he's yeah. a stud. He's yeah. stellar. He just and keeps dude, you off like, balance with all of his feints and and you know is he gonna throw a leg? Is he gonna throw a keep a teep kick? Like he's yeah. keeping you guessing, and then he'll yeah, get to his boxing. Um, and here's the thing: like I'm not here to take away from that or talk shit about that. Like I'm just here to analyze it, right? Because at the end of the day, you send me tape on your form so I can analyze it. I send you tape on mine so that way you can check it out and A, tell me if I'm doing anything that's flawed that you can see and B, you can see like, oh, cool. This is how he, what he means when he's saying like, do this X, Y, and Z. So yeah. like when you send me your things, I can see that you have three combos that you go back and forth between. You pretty much siphon between True. three combos over and over True. again. True. I have four to five max right. that I know I really siphon between unless like I'm sparring and God forbid I'm in a situation where I have to adapt. Mm-hmm. So something about Cheeto Vera is name one pattern that he has in a fight that you've seen him repeat over and over again. That's evolution. Yeah. Yeah. With That's a true. sugar Sean with a dominant Cruz, even like dominant Cruz up until two years ago, there were no patterns you could see. But now you watch him and you're like, okay, cool. When I throw this or I faint this, he not only uses footwork to get away, but he leads with his head. If I faint this and as I'm fainting it, my right foot is already coming up. He's literally going to slam his head into my foot. Mm -hmm. Knockout. If you don't think he's going to be able to survive one round against Sugar Sean, that's wild to me. And if you don't think that after one round, he's going to have downloaded some kind of fucking pattern, that's wild to me. Oh, and it's a five round fight. Fuck. (laughs) I just feel like it's, I don't know, dude. I feel like it's a Cheeto Vera show. 
Hey, I mean, the best thing about this is we got two guys that have a history that are both at the top of their game. They're still getting better. You know, Sean's 29, Chito's 30. I mean, to your point, like, honestly, I think you're making a lot of valid ones. My only thing, again, is, you know, Chito has had more losses, has had more of those learning lessons. I mean, sandwiched in between Sugar Sean's win, he lost to Yadon Song, beat Sugar, and then he lost to Jose Aldo after that. Gone on a solid win streak has, like you said, put it all together. I mean, and Corey Sanhagen is probably the only guy. He's probably the true alpha in this entire class. I think I think no one wants to say it, but he's probably the one guy that can really throw a wrench in the entire division um, yeah. and beat champ. But again, obviously, we're not talking about him. We're talking about someone. We're talking about obviously Sean and, and Chito. And hey, Styles make fights. I, I do think like it'll it'll go. To, I, it'll probably go to the full five. I don't think. I don't think anyone really get knocked out. I would be surprised if that happened unless it's maybe like a TKO or just damage. But both these guys are, are can dig deep. I mean, Sean's taking some of the biggest shots from, a, you know, Peter Yon. Um, I, I mean, Mar- Marlon does have some power, but he's more of like death by a thousand cuts. He's not necessarily one punch, like drop you power. Um, he's got some clean jabs and, and puts it all together. Well, um, and he's violent, obviously, like once he starts throwing elbows or like he can put you away once you're, you know, once he knows you got a wounded animal. But again, I, I'm going to die on this hill, man. I mean, Sugar Sean's my boy. I'm just going to assume he's going to continue to get better. And um, and he has vengeance, man. This could be a trilogy, you know, depending on how it goes. But I'm leaning Sugar Show, man. And still. <sighs> I got to lean against you here, man. got to lean <laughs> against you here. Um, and also... Yeah, you're right. Typically, Marlon Vera does not have first round finishing power, but he finished him in the first uh, four minutes and 40 seconds of the last fight. I think he finishes him in the first four minutes and 30 of this fight. I think he spends the first uh, three minutes downloading data of of Sean O'Malley. And then after that, I think he opens up and he ends up ultimately getting a uh, probably a head kick knockout. While Sean is shuffling forward, I can also see Sean moving forward to throw that overhand that he likes to throw where he likes to like faint mm-hmm. and then throw that overhand. Right. And as he's shuffling forward, Vera's really slick about just popping that knee straight up the barrel. And I can see him just flooring him, bro. Um, it could be a really nasty night. God bless you. God bless you, my friend. Um, God bless you. And <sighs> happy you. Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. Um, Sheesh. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I ultimately think Marlon Chito Vera gets done in there in the first one to two rounds. Moving forward, my second most excited fight would probably be Sean Strickland versus DDP. Come on, Shamona. Um, Africa, stand up. Your boy's getting a title shot. Finally gets it, man. He's healthy. He's ready, brother. He's hungry. We know that. He's a strong downhill guy, man. Him and Sean Strickland are both just like downhill meat potatoes and just piece you up, man. And I'm excited to see these guys collide. It's going to be a fun one. They're both very meat potatoes, but I feel like it's one is strength and one is, um, I don't want to say skill because they both have skill, right? One of them just kind of throws sloppily, even though he has the skill. Uh, But it's because he throws so much behind like he's throwing everything DDP. So it's, it's strength versus finesse. It's grit 
and force versus tenacity and cunning. Um, it's will versus kill. So I, I, I think it's going to be a very fun one, man. I think DDP is someone that is able to land a lot of power, but I think Sean Strickland is a terrible matchup for him. And the fact that DDP will throw over and over again, and he will follow the rule of rhythm. And what I mean by that is he won't double up. He won't go, ha, 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 ha. He'll go left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. It doesn't matter if it's a hook or an uppercut. He's always going to go left to right. And for Sean Strickland, he's going to be able to roll and move with those things and throw his shots exactly where he needs to to piece him up. I truly see DDP walking on to a big shot. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a big shot. I think it's just going to be a, a skilled shot. I think it's going to be a straight shot. Um, Mary will tell you straight up. My best shot is probably my two. It just uncorks either that or my left hook and lead hooks, right? Like most people are really good with like rear hooks. Not a huge fan of rear hooks. Like I can throw a strong rear hook. Don't get me wrong. Like I throw rear hooks like I'm fucking hitting someone that owes me lunch money, right? But if you ask me my two go-to hand strikes, it's gonna be the the two and the three, right? Boom, boom. And I, I feel like it'll be either one of those, if I'm being honest. Just because Sean Strickland is the epitome of a meat and potato striker. Really need to figure out uh, coming up with a graphic for that so I can put that on a t-shirt and send that to some of our watchers so they can rep the podcast. But again, mean and potato style striking is what Sean Strickland is. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you see this one going? Who do you see winning this one? Nano? I, I do think Sean earned all my, Sean Strickland is uh, earned all my respect. I mean, he beat the pound for pound guy. One of my favorites of this era and Izzy Adesanya. So I'm going to assume that his mean potatoes, his downhill style, his pressure and his ability to move forward without taking any damage uh, is just going to be too much for Rodriguez Duplessis. He's a talented fighter. He's on a great win streak, but I just don't think anybody. And, and although you know Rodriguez has a path to victory because he just has so much damn power and and. You know, what he did to Robert Whitaker was extremely surprising to me, but I just don't see Sean like uh, quivering or like getting dropped the same way that Rob did. Um, I see him being better defensively. And then I see Sean again, lean the dance, marching him for marching forward, marching him down. And I, I've seen Drickus like lose his steam as well. Like I, I think if Drickus doesn't get Sean out of there like a flash knockout like Alex Bejeda did like right away, by that second, third, fourth round, I think Drickus is going to have no legs. His arms are going to be gassed. He's going to outpunch himself, and Sean's going to be right there. It's not breathing heavy at all. Meat potatoes, still throwing that one, two, one, one, two, two, one, one, three. And he's just going to eventually put him out of there, I think. I'm taking Sean by decision on this. Let's fucking go. And still. Both my Sean's. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so moving into the very last fight we're going to go over here tonight. We have Alexander Volkanovsky, the great 
coming in against Ilya Taporia. Uh, this is a fight that I've been clamoring for for some time. You know I've been big and high on Ilya Taporia. Um, so I'll go ahead and take the lead on this one. Uh, sorry if you thought I was going to let you take the lead on this one, Nano. Shut your fucking trap. It's my turn. I'm just kidding. I love you, brother. Um, <laughs> this one I am very, very excited about, though. Ilya Teporia is someone, again, I've been very, very high on for some time. Uh, the Georgian mixed martial artist is an absolute standout. El Matador himself has a very, very high finishing rate. Uh, he has just 14 fights. And uh, oh, by the way, he's 14 and 0, zero losses, eight submissions, four knockouts. Only two of his fights have actually made it to decision oh and he's got wins over um jai herbert who has one of the best and worst nicknames in all of mma the black country banger fighting out of wolfhampton himself um the black country banger went out there and just got knocked the absolute fuck out of him uh and that was a weight class up oh and he also has a win at his own weight class over bryce mitchell josh emmett ryan hall damon jackson yusef zawal the list goes on, folks the man is an absolute beast and i think that this is going to be no different he's going to go out there over an absolute stud in alexander volkanovsky yet another time that he will probably be an underdog and i i think this is going to be a bad night at the office for alexander the great i'm going to period by ko here and son of a bitch jj smoke in the fucking chat um he said he's also going to period by ko time to pass the guard Man, I truly feel like every time I look at the chat, I um, I just know you've you've got to feel like I'm following you here. But I, I promise, it's just a fact of a factor of great minds thinking alike. Uh, and with that being said, I will go ahead and pass it over to Nanu. Tagging you in, brother. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, we are truly red corner and blue corner here, man. We are on the opposite side again. Uh, I just think Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, man. I mean, I will admit I am a bit worried about the, his mental health and like his just mental uh, stamina. I mean, like the, the the you know competitive stamina, the mental fortitude. I mean, everything it takes to to stay on top there to have that edge. I hope he can maintain it. I mean, it's tough. He, he mentioned some stuff in that last fight, um, and maybe it was just you know, c coming off of a surgery. Maybe it's just obviously coming off a tough loss and, and getting knocked out for the first time in his career. Um, you know, I, I just think that I am a bit concerned about that, to be honest. So, uh, you know, your take, it, it wouldn't completely shock me if Philly goes in there and it has the momentum, has that, it's just the hungrier dog. And he possesses a lot of power. I mean, Volk, although he's typically leading the dance and, and, can offer a lot on his feet. This is really the first time. I mean, obviously Islam just knocked him out. So I shouldn't say outside of fighting Islam, which he just fought back to back. Well, twice here in the last year, um, and all of his other opponents really haven't had that knockout ability, at least from a, like to the point where like Ilya can like one punch knockout bulk. Like I do think he has like unreal power for this division, but max, you know, death by a thousand cuts, Brian Ortega, he's not going to knock out. Yair Rodriguez, potentially, with maybe a flying leg kick that you don't see coming, but he's not known to be dropping dudes with his heavy hands. Ilya is that matador for a reason. He's got that bull-like strength, and that does scare me. But that I do hope that Alexander the Great looks at that as a chance for him to step up, um, a long, take the long camp to get dialed in, recover from his surgery, get that loss behind him, and... Uh, 
showcase why he's been one of the best of our era, the best we've ever seen come in the octagon. So I, I think no matter what, it's going to be a freaking war. I hope to see 25 minutes of it. Um, but I, I think Volk will find a way. I just, I've seen him do it more. I, I haven't seen Ilya in these types of, I mean, Alexander's a different dog. I mean, I know Ilya's looked great, but this is just, you know, crazier things have happened, but because I just haven't seen it yet, I just maybe think maybe Ilya's time just isn't there yet. I think Alexander has another fight or two in him. He's going to win here, maybe wait around for one more contender or just go straight up to 155 and say, hey, I'm going to just put all my chips there. But he is 36. I can see him maybe calling it quits here the next year or two as well. So I think Volk will go off on top. I hope to see him right off in the sunset. But I think he's going to do so again by getting another feather in his cap, knowing, hey, this is a legitimate challenge. This is a legitimate threat. And he's going to use that as motivation here and, and find that chip on his shoulder again. You know, I, I, I truly hope you're right, honestly, just because Taporia still has a lot of time left in his career. He has a lot of gas left in the tank, a lot of tread left on the tires. Every other analogy you want to paint for this, folks. Um, but but here's the thing, guys. Sometimes we just don't get the fairy tale ending. Sometimes. This is just how MMA works. And uh, I, I think, unfortunately, I will be right. And this is one of those times where I, uh, I, again, I hope I'm not right. But typically when I don't want to be right is when I am uh, most likely to be right. So um, we are at about the hour and 15 minute mark here. Uh, we typically go an hour and 30. I left this extra 13 to 15 minutes here at the end, specifically so that we could put Nano in the hot seat here. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of football talk here. We're going to hear Nano's greatest thoughts on waiver wires, um, how he did this week on fantasy football, and just overall what he's most excited about, who he's most excited about moving into this week. So let's get into it. So let's go. So catchy. You can hear that all day. Appreciate you, brother. Fantasy football time, man. And hey, we're halfway through the season. Can't believe I'm saying that. We are just finishing here week nine. I was checking the scores of the Monday night football game. I did lose a buzzer beater uh, uh, match there in one of my leagues. So I will not be eight and one. I will be seven and two in that league. But that is still my best team. And I'll do a quick run through of the leagues I'm in like this. the, the setup and then my strategy going into the year, how I've been kind of approaching things so far, and then um, going to obviously some of the top like waiver wire picks here again as we're halfway through the season. If you know you're still in contention, that's awesome. If you're at the top, out of boy, we can try to help keep you there. If you're at the bottom, hey, plenty of time to still turn your season around. Okay, one game at a time. If you're not, you know, maybe don't shoot for first place. There's other positions. There's second, third, hell, you could even be fourth and still make playoffs. So, don't lose hope just yet. Ride it out and try to take it one week at a time. Uh, but with that being said, I'm in a few leagues here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in nine total. I'm going to leave the Dynasty Leagues out of there because although I am doing good in those, it's a different strategy, different different things to consider. Uh, but again, my best team, which just took my second loss of the year, unfortunately, 7-2, the number one score. I'll be number two in the league, but that's fine. It's a 12-person uh, league, half-point PPR, 
and two flex positions. You're going to see that most often in my leagues. I like having a few more players there. And with the two flexes, because you have obviously one extra player, the strategy opens up a little bit more in terms of, you know, how you approach the draft, how you construct your team. You can have as many receivers as you want. You could have as many running backs. You have more flexibility and the deeper your team is, obviously it helps with the two flexes, but the, you know, it all coincides to, Hey, these waiver wires, it all, it all factors in who's on your bench, all this to consider. And again, seven and two, really proud of that team. Um, 12 teamer next one, 10 team full point PPR, six and three, six and three in two leagues. And in one of my six and three league teams is a 12 teamer full point PPR. The number one score. I just scored 203 points this last week. I average 160 points a week. Um, so doing my thing there. Uh, five and four in another league. I'm five and four. One, two, three, four. And four in my leagues this year, including our uh, UFC league as well. Um, one of those five and four leagues, I'm the number one scorer. I have a bunch of people injured. I have James Conner injured. I have Justin Jefferson injured. I have Devon A-Chain injured. I had a rough bye week this last week, so... Unfortunately, I've been on a losing streak there, but still the number one scorer. Uh, proud of that. Again, number one scorer in three of my leagues. Um, have a 39-22 record overall. So needless to say, man, your boy's really proud. Um, the approach I came in to the year with was slam receivers and then get running backs in the middle of the rounds. Someone like a Kamara who was going to be off you know, injury, but hey, is still producing here now. Yeah, I sniped him, sniped him from you in one of our leagues. Had to throw that in there. But one of my most common stacks and why I'm doing lick, well lick, so lick far. <laughs> yeah. Is I invested early. My first couple rounds, I invested early on receivers, stacked those positions. People like a Diggs, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Diggs, AJ Brown, um, Diggs, Ridley, uh, you know, different stacks like that where. It felt like I was going to get good production. Tariq Hill, A.J. Brown, another example, different leagues I have. Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Like I was trying to just solidify the high upside in the receiver position and then slam the running backs mid-rounds. So because I did that, was able to hit in those spots, and then I got people like uh, DeAndre Swift and uh, Raheem Mostert, who are both going later in the drafts, and they're both top five, top ten running backs right now. So... I have that stack specifically in three of my leagues. I, you know, gambled heavy. I usually don't recommend like putting all your eggs in one basket, but as you, as you see here in the MMA no filter show, I tend to gamble that way. So if I'm gonna, you know, make a bet, I might as well make the. I'm gonna make the consolidated bet. It doesn't always work in the DraftKings for uh, fighting, I would say, but when it comes to fantasy football, I like trying to make consolidated bets. And, and looking at offenses or teams or, you know, the sleepers and all that. But again, went with the late running back strategy, slammed the receivers early, and your boy's having a good start of the year so far. Um, now, as we approach, obviously, midseason here, we got to get some good waiver wire picks. Who's going to help you win this league? Who's going to help get you some points here now, maybe down the stretch? Um, I've mentioned people like a Gus Edwards in the past. I've mentioned people like a Josh Downs in the past who just suffered a knee injury, unfortunately. So if you're like me and you might be looking elsewhere now, um, have no fear. A name that is uh, trending here, in, in my opinion, who's had a great rookie season, had a little bit of a slow start this year, uh, but it's a uh, Jahan Dotson, okay? And Jahan Dotson is a receiver for the Washington Commanders. He is a slot receiver. So 
for those that don't know what that means, that's, you know, typically you have the X on one side, you have the Y on the other side. Jahan Dotson typically plays the slot receiver, which means he's usually inside the line of scrimmage. He's where the tight end might be. He's next to another receiver. The The idea of a slot receiver is to be a mismatch. You maybe a linebacker's matched up on you, maybe a safety, but because he's fast and because he's a little bit smaller, that slot receiver is kind of the new school like position that you're seeing a lot of success with these uh, receivers in today's day. Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers are just to name a couple. Um, but again, uh, or CeeDee Lamb, for example, as well, another slot receiver, a guy that I have in a few leagues as well. Um, again, getting sidetracked here. Jahan Dotson has scored over uh, scored the last two weeks, um, over 14 points the last couple of games. And frankly, I'm not as bought in on uh, scary Terry McLaurin. I think he's always he's been in the league for almost eight years now. He's proven to be what he is, and that's just a solid receiver. He's not a great receiver. He's not someone that's going to win you your fantasy league. He's not a first-round pick. He's just a solid guy. But that leaves a lot of room for someone like a Jahan Dotson, who has a high upside potential. And again, a score back-to-back weeks. He's out there in most leagues. I think he's less than 50% rostered. So go get John Dotson. Another name here on a team that honestly is shocking the world right now. But we're talking about the Houston Texans wide receiver, another slot receiver. We're talking about Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell, rookie that they just drafted to pair with their other rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud, who was balling. Homeboy had 470 yards and four touchdowns this past week. He looks to be the truth. He seems to be everything that they thought he was. Uh, and because hey, good quarterback means I'm probably going to trust the receivers. And that's exactly what you got this past week. Tank Dell, 29 points. If you have that kind of potential, I want you on my team. Even if it's just a stash and wait for later. I know Nico Collins has been the number one guy and he has been really good this whole year, but CJ Stroud has proven that he can have multiple receivers do well. If he's going to be throwing for 470 yards, that means plenty of guys are going to eat four touchdowns. That's crazy, man. This guy's balling out again, like I mentioned, so give me some of that offense that's trending in the right direction. I do like uh, Tank Dell as well. Uh, and then last, a, a tight end to throw in there, uh, Luke Musgraves for Green Bay, who's really just, Green Bay is not showing a lot of fun stuff. We want to talk about, I was just talking about Houston Texans offense that's been trending in the right direction. Green Bay has been trending the wrong direction. Jordan Love and those guys have not been doing well. But there can be some bright spots, okay? Just because your team's sucking doesn't mean the whole offense has to suck. Okay. And Luke Musgraves, a tight end. It's thin this year. We know there's a lot of injuries. There's bye weeks, but if you need someone, go pick him up. He just scored this last week and I could see him starting to become more of a, uh, a staple in that, uh, that offense, a good safety net for quarterbacks that are struggling, but he was a rookie. So there's always going to be that slow start. Similar with like a Dalton Kincaid that you've seen. Um, Cole Komet as well, even starting to break out as well. Another, uh, tight end to potentially stream there. Um, but again, to finish my rant, uh, Jahan Dotson, great name to pick up available in most leagues. Um, oh man, now I'm linking Jahan Dotson, uh, tank Dell. I was gonna say Nathaniel Dell, but tank Dell. And then Luke Musgraves is another one uh, to pick up. And there you have it. I think all those are super, super fun names. Uh, I think the big one that I had on my list uh, was Tank Graves. Um, obvi- or sorry, Tank Tank Dell. Uh, Tank Dell, 
definitely a huge standout, especially recently. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, like you said, good to have kind of a pocket ace there, even if that is all he is, is kind of an ace to have in your back pocket. Another person, speaking of aces to have in your back pocket, would be Odell Beckham Jr. I know he hasn't had the best season, not necessarily a, a young Daisy himself, but he did finally uh, get his first big touchdown this season. And um, again, he finished second on the team in targets here in week nine. And though his upcoming matchup against Cleveland is a pretty fucking stout ask, pretty brutal matchup. Um, now would be the time to stash him for later weeks, because I do think he will be set to deliver in later weeks. Um, when it comes to running backs, uh, there was somebody on the tip of my tongue here. Keaton Mitchell. That's right. We're talking about the Baltimore Ravens, folks. Um, man is not super rostered right now, but... Even though his uh, breakout may have been delayed a few weeks, he is a rookie that has definitely shown his presence in the recent weeks. And I think it's going to be something that he continues to build upon that foundation in the coming weeks. So definitely make sure you keep an eye on him. Even if you don't want to pick him up right now, he's probably free in a lot of leagues. I got to be honest with you. Um, but he's someone that I think a lot of people are overlooking. And if we've seen anything, it's that the Baltimore Ravens are willing to go to multiple different targets. He is simply going to become um Possibly a new running back one. So check out that guy. Um, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Nano, your breakdown on fantasy football, as always, stunning. Still looking forward to the channel. Um, the viewers are waiting for an update on that. So am I. Oh, yeah, brother. I know it. I appreciate your patience, y'all. Um, you're getting it here, obviously. Appreciate y'all tuning in. You get a little bit of both worlds. But um, yeah, obviously, we're halfway through the season. I mean, Maybe I could try to do like a halfway season mark, like I kind of just mentioned. Hey, this was my strategy going into it. This is how I've done. <laughs> and this is where I'm heading, baby, to the ships, getting some rings. But uh, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm excited. I appreciate you allowing me to rant a little bit here. And hey, if you're listening on any platform, feel free to tune in. I mean, comment, um, hit us up on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. If you have any questions, if you want uh, any advice on, hey, should I trade this guy? Or, hey, what's my team? What? Like, if you want me to break it down, give you my thoughts or what I would do, what I'd recommend on moves you could try to make or or how to go about, you know, approaching the rest of the year, please, happy to do so. Send them on over. Yeah, we love uh, any and all feedback. Good, bad, the ugly. Call the fucking Clint Eastwood movie when we ask for the feedback because we like it all, guys. Uh, so bring it on we love it uh tell us what you like what you hate what you'd love to see what you hate to see what you want to see more of uh that you are seeing or aren't seeing either way again we are here for it we love the feedback um again guys we appreciate you all being here guys gals anything in between you know what i'm saying as long as you're a fan of mixed martial arts we're a fan of you so Thank you for tuning in to another beautiful episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter, with myself, your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and my co-host with the most, Jab Turkey Nano, on the ones and twos there on the side there. Um, guys, please make sure, whether you're new, subscribed, old, returning, like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications, and if you're just listening on the audio-only version, like, rate, all the stuff you do on just the audio only versions of podcasts. And uh, we appreciate you for being here and we will see you in just a couple days on Wednesday. My gosh, it's sneaking up on us, but we'll see you then. And we'll be talking about our picks for UFC 295. You don't want to miss it. You've been listening to the MMA anomaly show. No filter. 
As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.